Hi there. Welcome to the Crown Heights Insider Podcast. My name is Sean Baranemanov. I am your host, and I am so very grateful that you have chosen to be with us this evening. Tonight, we are very excited to share an interview with Ramesh uh, Faglin. He is the director of Aliyah. He's been doing incredible work for the young men of Crown Heights of the Babish community writ large for a long time, and we um, got a chance to talk about that work. And we are very, very excited to be able to share that interview coming up in just a minute. If this is your first time listening to the Crown Insider, then welcome. And I encourage you to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss any future episodes. And so you can go back and listen to our past episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, so many others. Of course, as well, you can find us on crownheights.info, who we are very excited to have as our partner on the Crown Heights Insider. If you hear anything in this episode that intrigues you, if you hear anything you'd like to respond to, if you hear anything that you'd like to hear more about, you can send us a question, comment, concern to podcast at crownheights.info. Send us an email and we will will Murtashem respond to it. If you have a question for Rabbi Faglin, we will try to get him to answer that question and that answer will be featured on our wrap-up episode, which is again coming very soon because we are nearing the end of season one. It's been a journey. Very excited. And now, without much further ado, we are very excited to share an interview with Rabbi Misha Faglin. With us today, we are very excited to have in the studio Rabbi Misha Faglin, the rabbi, the co-director and co-shliach of Aliyah in Crown Heights, joining us on the Crown Heights Insider. Thank you so much for being here, Rabbi. Thank you so much for seeing the value and seeing the importance of what we do and the importance of getting our message out there and the importance of the community understanding the power of inreach, which is so critical, especially today. It's our biggest pleasure. So let's start right there with inreach. Yes. There has been a greater understanding, I think, among many in our community that more needs to be done for us, for our people. Obviously, Shluchas is the thing that makes Lubavitch Lubavitch. But without a healthy community, there can't be people going out there to change the world. And there's an understanding that more has to be done for us. So Aliyah, obviously, is a big part of that. So how would you describe Aliyah in that way? So Aliyah began... A bit over 20 years ago. We just had a 20-year anniversary. All up. And thank you. And we started Aaliyah. It was very out of the box. but And it's very interesting how it started because the year before I got married, I helped my good friend Rabbi Uri Perlman get the Yeshiva Wilkesbury going off the ground. And that itself was like totally taboo. First of all, the fact that Uri and myself and the other rabbis were all Bachram at the time. <laughs> and we kind of literally picked guys up off the street and brought them there. And it was a great experience. And uh, I really enjoyed that. But I never, ever imagined that this would be something I would take on as a long-term shluchas. I never thought this would be what I'd be doing full-time. But Did you imagine yourself in a more traditional shluchas? Yeah. I mean, the, the year after I was in Wilkesbury, that first year that he opened up, I was in Kailal married. Um, I met my wife, Sarah, that we actually were engaged that year we got engaged while i was helping rabbi uri start Aliyah, or start wilkesbury uh, and yeah our goal was traditional shluchas we were looking actually a few campuses we had like three or four different college campuses that were very serious and we were we were almost ready to close on on one we had a very good offer and we wrote a letter to the rebbe for a bracha to go there 
And this particular campus that we're looking into was in the middle of nowhere. The closest mikvah to this campus was a two and a half hour drive. And the Rebbe sent us a letter saying that you need to be in a community where there's Rabbanim, where there's a Kehillah. And it was, wasn't even fathomable in this, in this college town because even if you make tons of Bali Truva, they're not staying there. They're moving. So right. there's no Kehillah happening there. And then we wrote in again. And at that point, I was in Kailal, and I was learning with a lot of the boys, the lot of the Bachram that I, I taught in Wilkesbury the year before. And I kept up with a lot of them, and I used to have Fabrengans in my house for them. And suddenly, we wrote a letter again, and the Rebbe says, you've got to continue doing what you're doing. And at the same time, Rabbi Uri Perlman was like saying, you know, Crown Heights needs a base. All these kids and parents are coming to Wilkesbury, and they're doing amazing, but we're, we're not even a drop in the ocean. And... Need something local where guys can drop in, safe space locally in Crown Heights where they can be. And he was telling me this, but I, I wasn't like listening to him when he told me because I never imagined Shluchas in Crown Heights. But after I got these letters from the Revit two in a row, it was like, okay, there's something here. <laughs> and that's when we opened up Aliyah 20, 20 years ago. We started off, we actually started off in Rabbi Ari Raskin's Chabad house during the week. We had like a school there, a program there for guys who were just. You know, not in any program. It would come there, and it was a good change of scenery, healthy change of scenery. And then on Shabbos, we um, opened up a shul on, on Empire. That, at that point, it's called the Yam. And the Yam was really, it was a good space because they had, like, similar kind of projects going on during the week. We took it over for Shabbos, and we had a Shabbos millionaire, which was started as a kiddush on Shabbos, and then it gradually evolved into a full minion. It was started as JFK and then went, went to minion, <laughs> include the minion afterwards. That's great. The evolution usually, unfortunately, works the other way. So the original vision of Aaliyah was just as a safe space for guys to be? I mean, at that point, that, 20 years ago, safe space was a word that didn't exist. So in different terminology. Yeah. Like the idea was, of having a home was, and a place for themselves. Yeah. I mean, we had a school. It, the Aaliyah is actually an acronym for Alternative Learning Institute for Young Adults. We thought it would be more like a place of learning, a place of, you know, career, degree, getting them up, real opportunity. We thought it'd be more based on education. But as we realized over the years that it wasn't the education that they needed, it was more the the safe space, the community, um, a, a sense of belonging, to be involved with something social. That was definitely what was needed most. And that's where we kind of shifted from the alternative learning to young adults to like more of a Chabad house, homey feeling. So what does Aliyah look like today, day to day? So, so my wife and I, we, um, we host a lot of guys to our house. We just, we just come out of Pesach. So we had a Siddharam and Yantov meals. The guys knew our doors are open. Uh, we also have Rabbi Shemtov who works with us. It was one of the Shulchan Mayas who's also, is no, his phone is always on, his doors are open. Uh, we have Rabbi Mendy Baich. And three years ago, we hired Rabbi Yosef Halevi. Ali was always 18 plus, but we realized that we don't need to wait till they turn 18 for Aliyah to have open doors. We could start younger. So Yosef Halevi, um, he runs the younger Aliyah, which he started at guys of 15. His guys are, now he already has his own 18 plus program because since he started three years ago. So this is, there's all of us out there available. The guys know that there's, someone to call, you have a problem, you want to talk to somebody, you want to spend time, hang out, go out to eat, 
or come hang out at Aliyah, whatever it is, we're here. There's people. There's people to call. There's a phone number. There's there's a point of connection. So day to day. So we have a mini in the morning. We have we have a little coffee station open all day. The doors are open all day. People come in all day to have a bite to eat. We have a lunch and learn every day where we put out lunch and and a short shear with schmooze. For the guys who work for themselves, we have a lot of guys that run their own businesses. We also have a lot of guys that um, are in school and different hours. So that that's during the daytime and at night is when it gets really busy. Every night of the week we have something else going on. Um, Rabbi Shemtas gives has a dinner and share a couple of nights a week. Rabbi Baich has one. And then Thursday night's a big night where we're all there and wife always makes a good spread of food for it, which is really probably the biggest attraction like <laughs> like any Chabad house of food. And we go I mean, it's funny our food my accountant always tells me you gotta cut back on the food. You your your food budget you, we're spending more on food than we're spending on f- five salaries. And I said, listen, if I cut the food budget, we can just cut every other budget too, because there's no reason to be right. open. So that's that's critical. And yeah, so so every night there's dinner and there's a shear and a place to hang out. We have a we have a gym, we have a lounge upstairs where there's hang out with couches and a ping pong table, and there's a Shabbos meeting which is very chilled. Starts later, no judgment. The, the joke at Aliyah is the less religious you look when you walk in, the more likely you are to get an Aliyah. <laughs> That's how it is. A lot of we have a we have a whole crowd shift by Kiddush time. A lot of we have some locals that daven by us because it's they like the time or they like location, and then they usually leave after davening, and then we have the another shift that shifts in just for the Kiddush. Right. And for, uh, we do a Friday night davening, so there's the the main the main Aliyah minion became very black hat because of where we are located. A lot of people, a lot of locals there. Started diving there, so as it got more and more black hat, we opened up another minion upstairs, and then we just renovated upstairs, made it into a really nice lounge, very nice space. So we do a second minion upstairs, which is pretty much a kiddush, and then at the end of the kiddush, we'll do a, a cabal shabbos, we'll sing, and you know, play some ping pong, and so we have two minion on Friday night, and then we do shabbatons. Summer and winter, we take all the guys um, to a house upstate in the winter where we have a great Shabbos together. Then Sunday we'll go skiing or or shooting or something exciting. The guys little live for that. That's that's the hype of the year. It's definitely the highlight of the year. The Shabbatons. Um, there's a gym in the basement, so you know they need to let out some steam, get into shape. They could come work out. And then a year, two years ago, we actually came up with this other crazy idea to build a one-at-a-time mikveh. Because a lot of guys haven't gone to mikveh since Bar Mitzvah, or, or maybe ever. And here is a very luxurious mikveh with steam showers. They can have a real uh, um, luxurious experience. And they ever just need to want to just get some a cleanser, physical, spiritual cleanser, they can just come, they can use it any time of the day and night. They can use it, and it's also open to the public if they want to book. There's an app. There's a special app you have to book so no one overlaps. It should be one at a time. 
how many guys are part of a lead at any given time, like are actively showing up or sometimes showing up? What's your base? Okay, so if you look at the, we have a, we have two WhatsApp groups, one for the older, one for the younger. One has about 90 guys on it. One has about 50 on it. So that's pretty much our reach. And then, I mean, it doesn't mean they're all going to show up every day, but they're all the ones getting the messages, they're the ones seeing it. You know, throughout the year, we're going to see all of them multiple times, but everyone, some guys like to come for the gym. Some guys will come for the, for the Friday night chill. We call it the Cabal Shabbos chill. Some guys come for lunch and learn. Some come into Shabbatons. They, they, you know, we, you know, we won't see them for six months, but there's a Shabbaton coming up. They're there. Um, some, you know, Yosef Alevi has a Sunday night dinner every week, which is very popular in his apartment. So some guys go for that. But uh, I guess you, you'd say probably 100, 140 people, and then wow. they might bring their friends. And the kids we reach are not, they're all living in Crown Heights, but they're not from Crown Heights. Right. They're, from, they're from everywhere. Uh, we have Shluchem's kids. We have kids, Anash from Miami. We have Anash from, from England, from all over. One night we went around a table, and less than half the kids that come to Aliyah are actually grew up in Crimes. Wow. So who is Aliyah for? So Aliyah is alternative people who grew up in Chabad community, the religious community, but didn't find a place, and ended up on their own journey and also need a community. So anybody, we have a wide variety of people that come through us. We have, we have guys who weren't religious, and they, they, when we met, and now they are religious, but they still keep coming because they feel connected. We have guys that were always religious, and they, they just didn't feel a place. And then we have guys that are completely not religious and they have not become religious and they haven't changed, but they still feel community. So we have, we have all extremes or we have all corners of the world from all parts of the world come. And like I said, we have Shluchim's kids and we have Christ born bread. And so what was the question? Who was Aliyah for? Oh, but basically it's for people who grew up in the Chabad yeshiva system, but dropped out at some point, left the system, didn't find that place. So with all that said, do you find that there are people who would benefit from Aliyah programs, would benefit from coming to Aliyah, but are hesitant to come because coming to Aliyah means that you're a certain kind of guy? So I'm sure there is that stigma um, that people feel like they don't want to be associated. And that's always going to be a, a reality, you know, Every brand will appeal to a certain demographic, can't appeal to everybody. And there are a lot of people actually that don't want to come to Aliyah, but they will reach out to myself or Rabbi Shantar or Baich privately for, for advice, for coaching, and we'll, you know, we're, we help anybody. We don't, so even if they don't actually show up, we're available. People are constantly calling us for different things. So another thing we did which helped our stigma is we tried to do cool things. Like uh, we just had a 20-year anniversary. We went nuts and we did this crazy event. And after that event, the whole image of Aliyah changed. So now some people who were like a little nervous, they thought we're like some 
uh, underground place, which is for low lives, is really cool and really glamorous. <laughs> if he, uh, I don't know if you watched any the. I did, I did. You watched it, okay. It was great. See, so it was we beautiful. Did, that was like a great PR move. So since then, a lot of people who probably were reluctant feel more comfortable being part of Aaliyah, being proud of Aaliyah after that concert. But yeah, stigmas are stigmas. It's a, it's a reality. And so the people who are reluctant, we still will befriend. If I see him on Kingston, or oh, we have, I forgot to mention the film booth. That's a big thing that oh, we right, have. Yes. So the film booth at Kingston, that was a cool idea. It was actually started by the guys. It was during the Lebanon War, probably seven years ago. The guy said, we have to start a film booth. It came from them. And we, 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 on Kingston, I said, really? A film booth in Kingston? That sounds a little out of the box i said yeah it's out of the box that's this when does that stop us so we we did it and we were busy people non-stop <laughs> they're amazing they're even girls asking to put on film that's <laughs> up but yeah since then we just didn't stop because it was just such a great thing for seven years it's been going strong and so a lot of guys who don't won't walk into Aaliyah They'll come stop by the booth on Friday and they'll hang out and they'll schmooze, they'll ask, uh, they'll say, hey, Rabbi, no, tell me something on the Parsha. What Parsha is this week? Would it give me a vart that I could share at my Shabbos table? You know, so they'll find other ways. Right. So the, the, the kids are one thing, but uh, parents are another thing. I assume you have to deal with parents of, the, of, your, of your boys sometimes? So I don't personally deal with parents that much. The few that I know I, do, I deal with. Uh, parents definitely need a lot of guidance as well. I mean, parents didn't never went to school to be parents. Sure. Parents, you know, and I unfortunately I've seen countless times that parents with the best intentions make the biggest mistakes. Specifically with regards to Aaliyah um, and with the stigma that we we're just discussing, do you find that parents of children who could use, who, who would benefit from being part of your community, discourage your children from becoming part of your community? I'm sure there's parents that would discourage the children. Um, the children that we're attracting are children that probably don't listen to the parents anyway. So, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So, so, there, so, so that's, that's not a problem. problem. But, but there's probably children that would like to, that that are still like trying to stick in the system, stay in the in the framework. That very possible that the parents say, "No, oh, you can't go to Leah." As it turns out, Leah is actually a very wholesome environment. We don't have any like. People are generally who come don't have any major addictions. We haven't seen it. There's no. But we used to, there were times when when people were smoking weed in the bathrooms, but that's over now. Pretty much everyone's pretty much focused on growth and moving forward, and and you know we don't serve alcohol at Fabrengans, and no one says boo. No one even asks for it. People don't even care for it. Like if I'll bring out I'll bring out a bottle of wine at the kiddush and you know put it back after. Wow. Yeah. Everyone, we have a very healthy-minded place. People aren't really too crazy. But yeah, I'm sure some parents say, "Ah, you're not going to go there. You're going to get, they're going to hook you on drugs." I'm sure there's different stuff that people will hear. But whatever it is, it is. We can't control what people say or think. The only thing we control is what we do in the place. What I was saying about parents is, I've seen so many times parents with the best intentions doing such toxic things, and I tell them, "You got to stop doing that." You gotta stop bugging your kid about this. It's obviously not working. Just let it go. And they'll tell me, but how can I let it go? If I see my child doing this, how can I sit back and and uh, and and not say anything? I tell them, imagine you see a child on fire. Obviously, you're gonna go nuts. Child's on fire. 
But imagine the only thing that you're holding in your hand is kerosene. Are you going to spray him up with kerosene because you see him on fire and you got to do something? You know, obviously you have to, you know, you got to, you have to use our seichel. Just because your emotion's telling you you have to react doesn't mean that reaction, if you don't know how to react, is going to be positive. Sometimes it's better not to react. And you'll get more by not reacting than reacting. So sometimes parents have to stop bugging kids over things which they think are, are so important to bug them about because it's just working the wrong way. Instead of bugging them about it, just find other things to talk about. Try to talk about other stuff, get what the kid's into, build a relationship with the child, have to do with them, not as a parent. Sometimes you've got to have the, the, the friendship as well as being a parent. And sometimes we get so fixed on the parent role that we forget about the friendship role and then... And then we don't have either. We're losing both. Like literally, I have a father who's he he's blessed that his child is religious, married a religious girl, and they had a child, Baruch Hashem. And the father came to Davin Ali in the morning, and he was so shocked that his son wasn't coming to Minyan, wasn't there, that he he almost went to ring his kid's doorbell and wake him up to come for Minyan. I said, he's married. Leave the guy alone. He's got a <laughs> wife. He's got a kid. Just step back off already, you know? Just be blessed that he's, he's, he, he davens every day. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah I, could, I could list off the stories. It's, it's mind-blowing. I'm sure. So you mentioned parents and their relationship with kids. You know, obviously, relationship with parents has been a struggle for millennia. It's not new. Maybe mm. it's getting worse today, but it's not new. But what are some of the more specific challenges that you think the youth of today are facing and have been facing since your time in working with them in Aliyah in different ways? People think there's a crisis. People think things are going wrong. Things are falling apart. Everything's bad. Everything's so bad. If we drill down onto the most like practical level, what are some of the things, the issues that are causing young men to need an alternative place, an alternative community for themselves? Okay, well, I mean, the crisis is not a new crisis. The crisis is every we're just becoming more aware, more knowledgeable but the crisis is essentially everyone's looking for connection everybody wants connection everybody needs connection and people are in pain people don't have it and they're not feeling necessarily the connection by the way they're keeping terms let's say or the way they're following religious life it doesn't it's not doing it for them for whatever reason and they're gonna look for alternative outlets and today unlike 20 years ago the outlets are obviously there and it can't be controlled. The more easily accessible. It's so accessible, yeah. So everything's there. So this is not like an exclusive problem to Aaliyah. This is a global problem. Um, Aaliyah, just everything is, there's no filters. So we get to see it all in a full view. But yeah, people are turning to to substances and people are turning to, to social media because they're looking to fill a void. And obviously these things aren't, filling that void, they're just making the void even bigger, but they don't even realizing it. And that's why people, depression rates are going up and anxiety rates are going up, even though we have these void fillers, but they're not filling it, they're actually making them worse. But yeah, people essentially are looking for connection and people need connection. And that's what we try to provide is connection. Do you do a lot of work on the sort of counseling therapy side? Do you connect guys with help if they need it? Like, is, is that something Elliot does? Yes, we definitely do that. So, I mean, we all act, all the rabbis Elliot act as like coaches or big brothers. Well, we're not qualified therapists, but we, if somebody needs that, not everybody needs a therapist. Some people just need connection and love. A friend, a community. Yeah, 
but when guys do need a therapist, we will help them find a therapist. We'll help them pay for a therapist. We will do what they, we can to make sure they get what they need. We'll work together and try to help them. We have therapists and clients that we, we've used regularly and have seen a lot of success. Talking about therapy, we also, one thing I forgot to mention is the couples of initiative. Um, a couple of years ago, my wife mentioned to me, you know, we're making 10 to 15 weddings a year. We have like a whole... You're saying Aaliyah graduates, so to speak. Yeah, graduates, but we try to make sure no one ever actually really graduates like the Shabbos minion, and we try to make more for the Leah married guys where they can just keep them connected. And a lot of guys still come, even though they're married, to Shabbos Day. And so the the couples' events has been really powerful. We started two years ago. We did one event. We didn't think anybody would come. We didn't think it would be comfortable. And everybody came. Whoever we invited to wow. came. Wife made a really nice spread, and we, we really did it nicely. We had a good speaker. And since then, we've kind of been kept up with it with a series of couples' events. We bring in uh, marriage coaches, like really respectable people in, in, the, in the field of marriage, and people come and they do workshops. Um, we've had a lot of great people in the community come and speak, and they were really good. We've had Shimon Atzikernik, we had Daniel Schombach, we had, uh, we had Rabbi Warner, we had um, uh, Zev, Zev Moshe, last name from Muncie, who does a lot of stuff with Yossi Jacobson, and he came and did a three-part series, and that was really good. Yeah, we we do all these couples programs, and it's really great, great for the marriages, great for the relationships, keeping them connected to Aaliyah. So that's a new thing that we've kind of like in the last few years we expanded in both directions. We we started a new program for under 18s with Yosef Alevi, and we started also program from for the couples which are also very popular there's a lot more awareness and visibility into these issues today obviously but do you think people really truly get how widespread or how severe these problems actually are do you think like the community at large understands how prevalent it is what percentage of people are actually dealing with problems like this percentage of people who look like they're part of the system and doing just fine are a couple of bad days away from not being able to handle it anymore I think they're becoming more aware. There's definitely more awareness, but they're still not really aware. And just by the fact that I still have parents calling me and asking me, my daughter, she's not really religious, and she wants to go to the seminary, which is not really a seminary that I would think I would rec I would want her to go to. And I'm like, you should be <laughs> grateful that she wants to go to seminary, that she wants to be in a seminary. Why don't you support her and be there instead of fighting her? You know, of, of parents that have uh, daughter 18 and they take a cell phone away from her when she doesn't behave. And I'm like, um, she's 18. You want to be close with her. Actually, that was a boy. Sorry, switch it back. Of parents that take the boy's, their son's cell phone away when, when he doesn't keep the rules. They give me a rules. He's 18. Listen, if your rules didn't work till 18, they're not going to start working at 18. Taking that away from him is not the solution. Just basing on, on, on the questions, I see parents are still, they're not getting it. And there's one, this I recommend every parent today, whether your kid is uh, questioning in the, in the beginning of questioning or he's completely not religious. If your kid needs chizuk, watch Avi Fishoff's videos. 
Avi Fischoff. He's incredible. I went to his his two day workshop. Um, he he doesn't deal with the kids. He does he deals with the parents. He basically gives the parents the support and the, and the the knowledge that they need to know how to deal with the kids when they're struggling. Where do you age. find these videos? You could just Google Avi Fischoff. He's on YouTube. He's got WhatsApp channels. He's he's all over. Um, great resource for anybody. Just watch his videos. Um, if you you could try to join his his parent group, but he's got a waiting list. But if you can, you're lucky. Uh, the parents that I know that I've I've referred there are forever indebted to me that I I sent them that way. A lot of Crown's families go there that based on that recommendation. He really helps parents get it. The parents that go to him get it, and they and they're grateful for it. And it doesn't just transform the relationship with a child that's struggling. It transforms relationships with the other children, and it really changes the whole the whole home, the dynamics of the home. So, obviously, Aliyah um, is your shlonis, right? It's a beautiful thing. Yes, but obviously, in an ideal world, it wouldn't exist, right? Absolutely. So if you were talking to a parent, and this is following on what we've been talking about, if you're talking to a parent or a mashpia in a school or a magachir or somebody who interacts with the Nzal, with young boys who are, you know, they're wavering, they're, they can possibly choose a different direction. If there was one thing you could tell them, what would you say about like, if, hey, listen, I'll be here if your kid needs us. But here's how, here's how obviously you can't guarantee anything. But if you want to increase your chances of your kid not needing us, here's what do you need to know. Right, so, I mean, the same thing that our guys need an extreme level. Your kids need maybe just as extreme or maybe a little less, but everyone needs connection. Every, that's what everyone's looking for. And a lot of kids just are able to go with the system and don't feel connection because they have enough resilience, but some kids don't. Um, hang out with your kids. Um, spend time with them. Take them to the park. Uh, talk about the day. Talking about what's going on in our lives, just be involved with your child. Try it's hard because unfortunately, most parents today didn't grow up with that from their own parents, so they don't even understand what it is. So parents today didn't have that connection with their own parents. Their own parents were like, "Rules, this is it. If you don't do this, you get a punch." That's how everyone was grew up. It's A B. There's no such thing as having a connection with that parents, and we somehow survived that because of our resilience of our generation, or not all of us, but a lot of us did. But the new generation don't have that resilience, and if they don't have that connection, they are gonna go, they're gonna fall off the way. So even though it's not natural to us to, do, to, to have a, a relationship with our children, we need to learn how to do it. We need to learn, and, we, and, is, and one good thing today is we have resources, like I mentioned, Avi Fishup, a great resource to learn how to do it. His podcasts, his uh, um, his YouTube videos, everything. Uh, there's other people out there that, that are really on point, and if you follow them and you follow their ways, you got them sauce of tamen. But we can't just sit back and and go with the old school system. It won't work. That's proven already. I think people are are coming around that the the kavagvur doesn't work anymore. Maybe it works for ten percent, but it will not work for the masses. And if you want to keep your kid. Re- being a from Yid, not because he was forced to or begrudgingly because he wants to, then it's gonna come about by you being a good role model and a good and a good chaver to your children. 
the role model part, I think, is maybe under-discussed. People talk about the... I've heard the friend thing before, but the role model part, could you elaborate on that? So, that's a, you know, there's an amazing video I saw from the Rebbe. Father came by dollars, and he, he, and he told the Rebbe he's becoming religious, and his family's not following what's the best way to get his family to be religious also. And the Rebbe told him that the most effective way in the most peaceful way is by being a role model. And that's it, being a role model. Like, you want your, your children to learn? Open the safer and learn. Let them see you learning. When your children, that, that will stay in their, in their heads. You want your children to do chitas rabbam? Let them see you do it. Not bug them about it. Don't tell them to do it. Don't be on their case. You, you know, a mother wants the daughter to dress appropriately. They got to see the mother dressing that way and, and not bugging them about it. Don't talk about it. Don't say that sneeze word. Sneeze word, unfortunately, has become a word that's become t toxified. Just be a role model. Don't tell them. Don't bug them. Just show them the way. And even if they don't embrace it right away, they know it. It's sinking in. Even if they're not acting on it, it's sinking in. What would you say to a parent who is worried about their child? Maybe they're not going to pick up a drug habit. At Aliyah, you say, because Aliyah's clean. But a child who, you know, is still basically from, but is going to be around a lot of guys who aren't from, who, who believe and think different things, who talk differently, who have different interests in life. What do you say to a parent who's worried about their child being influenced in an environment like that? So I would give the same answer to any parent. If you're worried about your child, you got to have strengthen your connection with your child. Children were going to look for alternative lifestyles when they don't embrace their own. So ideally, in an ideal world, we gotta have such a good connection with our children that they don't wanna go anywhere else. They're happy, happy where they are. This is what they want. This is where they grew up. You know, Chabad are always focused on the positive, not the negative. So if they give them enough positive, we shouldn't worry about, about what they're gonna pick up. I mean, every Friday we send hundreds of teenagers, thousands of teenagers go home of same, to, to Manhattan, to all over the place where they're definitely seeing so much stuff, but we're not worried because we feel that, that they have enough strength that they're going out there as a mashpia, not a makabal. So rather than worrying about what influences they might be picking up, we should worry about what positivity they're exuberating and then that it shouldn't be a worry. And if they need a little whatever it is that Aliyah can provide, then just make sure that we're giving them as much as we can from our own so we don't have to feel worried. And sometimes a child may fall. Like I've heard from Baruchim Lagoda, a lot of other alternative yeshivas, a lot of stuff that they never did before, suddenly you start doing. It might be Machal Shabbos or they might be starting smoking jewel, doing things that they're always afraid to do at home or they're afraid. And now that there's an opportunity, they're going to do it. And sometimes they have to go through that process and then come out of it on their own. Like, you so might... So in essence, you're saying if your kid is attracted to those kinds of environments, he's already on a journey. He's already there. He's just... You're just holding him by Band-Aids and elastic bands, and as soon as... Eventually, it's going to snap. Let him go through it in a wholesome environment where there's rabbis there that will be with him and there's there people there that'll be over him and with his positivity at the same time rather than you could you might just snap and just run away and, and to who knows where so we we can't avoid our children's journeys they're going to go on their journey 
and they're gonna every child's gonna do whatever they're gonna do. Hashem gives every one the brach of a child, and Hashem sends every neshama on their own journey. And the only thing we can do is be there with them on their journey. Make sure our children know that whatever journey you're on, wherever you're going, I'm here with you. You can always call me. You can always, I will never judge you. I'll never criticize you. Obviously, you might be doing things that I, that I don't approve of. Still, I'll always be there with you. And that's, parents got to grant it into the children. See, when they go through their journey, they, they won't go so far, and they'll always know the road home. On that same thing is, we know we have halacha, that you're allowed to be machal one Shabbos to keep many more Shabbosim. But you see, you have a tzala, you have shmir, shamer, that they'll, they'll break Shabbos when it's needed because you break one Shabbos, save many more. The same thing exists with, with, with our children. Sometimes our children may go on a journey where they, that might include chil Shabbos or this, and we have to let them go through that so they'll come back and keep many more Shabbosim. We're not saying it's okay to break Shabbos. We're saying that if right now this is where you are, I'm not gonna, I'm still gonna accept you and I know that eventually you're gonna come back. Because my acceptance now is gonna help you come back in the long run. So we spoke a lot about parents and the relationship to children and, and the value, the connection, that building a relationship with your child can have. A lot of the time that young men spend though is not in the home, it's not with their parents. A lot of the negative interactions, a lot of the things that causes guys to start questioning or coming disaffected doesn't happen at home, it happens in yeshiva, it happens in school. That happens right. with, with, you know, with teachers and, and mashpim and mashkichim. It happens right. with el terbachim. Like that's, that's a lot of the experience that guys have. Um, so what do you think our yeshivas can be doing better? Um, it's a very good question. So I'm not in the field of yeshivas. It's not where I would. Um, but I could say that I think pushing kids to have mashpim it's important that encourage because the mishpia really is a revolutionary idea. Have a mentor, have a big brother, um, making that a, a focal point. A kid has an, a good good role model that will listen to him, and and the same point, the older brachim need to be trained how to be mishpiyim, how to be there, how to be present. That's a total game changer. Let the kids find connection with with a with a wiser older. Sure, individual. Obviously, these days you got to be very careful about abuse and stuff like that. But still, the point remains that the best thing you can do for your for Bacher today is to give him an older Bacher that he can connect with. Zooming out a little bit, um, today, Baruch Hashem, we have an infinite number of institutions to support. Right. When it comes to charity campaign season for three months, or in, oh, it's in, always in, charity season. I get them every day. <laughs> Text every text every day, emails every day. Yeah. Your friend, your cousins are posting on a family chat. I'm on a team. This, this, that, and a lot of us still donate a lot of our money to traditional shluchas. A lot of us have family on shluchas somewhere. A lot of us have friends on shluchas. You, you go to shul in the morning. There's bracham coming by, not bracham married men. You know, like coming by with their with their cool, with their cool swipers. You know, or tappers. You can just ten bucks, twenty bucks. They're going on shluchas to some to town somewhere in Montana. It's a beautiful thing. At some point. Does there need to be a reallocation of resources and investment into our community in a larger sense? Now, obviously, you know, I don't know your own budget. I don't know what it looks like for you, the day-to-day, -day, the money. But is it maybe time for people more to think in a little bit of a larger sense that our kids just really need so much they're not getting? So that's a very good, good point you brought up. And if, you look, if we follow what the Altar says in Tanya is that the more you give, the more you get. 
So I wouldn't tell anybody not to give to your cousins or shlichas or not to give to, to the yeshivas and not to give to all the campaigns. I would say give more to local organizations, give more to, to, to Aliyah and people who are reaching in, who are connecting, show the young generation that they matter. You know, when we do a charity campaign and we hit our goal, our guys feel like they matter. They feel like the community cares. They feel, like, they feel the love from the community. It means a lot to them. When they see you, when they, when they know someone gives a large donation to Aaliyah, they're like, oh, wow, we matter. It's not Aaliyah matters, it's we matter. So I'm not going to say don't give elsewhere, but definitely prioritize, you know, the neighborhood or your own neighborhood always has to come first. And and the kids that are struggling need it most, the new generation. These kids are... are is a future community. This is a future Chabad. This is a future future leaders. We're building future leaders. So they definitely need to get the, the most attention. On that note, what are Aliyah's future plans for expansion? If everything, you know, obviously Mashiach comes tomorrow, but if everything goes great, fundraising wise, financially wise, like what are what are the big plans for Aliyah coming up? Well, there's always things that we would like to do. We'd have to hire more stuff to, to do all the projects that we have in mind. Uh, you know, we could do vocational classes. There is a there's a building next door to Leah on uh, Brooklyn East New York, which has been uh, sitting for years already. Um, we hope the opportunity will come up that we can grab at a good price and really do real good big stuff for the community at large and offer real services classes and really do whatever we do now on a much bigger scale. I believe also that that the same way Chabad houses exist all around the world, I think Aliyah needs, needs to be in every community. We already exist in Melbourne, Australia, and we we have a sister branch in Miami called The Center and in Manchester, and they're all extremely successful, extremely busy, and every community out there have a from community. You could use a place, a safe space for the teenagers and young adults to be, to feel connected to and have a rabbi that they can call when they have a problem, a rabbi that they can will be there for them when they need. And really they should exist everywhere. And this is something which is as critical as Chabad houses are. This is just as critical, if not more, because this is our own children. These are our own kids. These are the kids that matter most. What percentage of your guys would you say are taking care of themselves financially at this point? Are sort of independent, working their own jobs, living on their own, not really relying on their parents anymore? That's a great question. Baruch Hashem, we have a tremendous amount of guys who have made it and are doing really well. And actually, 25% of our budget right now is being covered by our own guys. One of the things that happen at Aliyah on a, on a regular basis is we're constantly helping guys with job leads. We have a lot of young guys that, that are on our WhatsApp groups and people in the community know that we have a lot of young people. So con people constantly sending me job descriptions. They need to hire this, they need to hire that. And are always posting on our groups, and they get snapped up within minutes. Literally, it's the easiest way just to help someone get a panasa, help a guy who needs to, who needs workers, and and our guys they're getting hired for Amazon jobs, getting hired for um, you know, any, any kind of job manageable is there, and and they're taking it. Store managers, sales sales positions, and we post it, and they're getting grabbed. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. It. Yes, and I, our alumni, alumni that have made it very well, 
um, and they they support our charity campaigns and they give monthly. So yeah, we, we've definitely guys are really making out there, and yeah, we see tremendous amount of success. That's great. So you don't charge for any Elia services? We do not charge. We don't charge our guys. If we have people, you know, sometimes community people want to use a gym or want to use okay. the Aliyah Mikvah, uh, we'll charge them, but not for our own. Thanks much for your time, Rabbi. I want to finish off with one final question. Can you give us a story or an anecdote that you think encapsulates what Aliyah is and what it provides? Okay, sure. I have countless stories, but I'll just share a couple that come to mind. So on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we auction off a lot of the kibbutzim for mitzvahs. If a guy wants to commit to putting on tefillin, a guy commits to giving staka, a guy wants to commit to any mitzvah. We, we do a variety of different mitzvahs. And whoever wins gets the kibbutz. So, and he also gets to bring friends up with him. So one year, we one of the guys, he won psicha. And he went up for psicha. And he realized that he had his phone in his pocket. This is on Rosh Hashanah. And he comes up for Psicha and he's feeling so guilty that his phone's in his pocket. He didn't want to take it out in front of the whole shul and, and put it down because he was already there. So he made a chotted right then and there while he was doing Psicha that he's going to keep the rest of Rosh Hashanah. And after shul that day, his friends were all going to the park. They were going to drive to the park, Rosh Hashanah afternoon, the Prosper Park, whatever it was. So he says, guys, I made a chata while I was doing psicha today. I'm keeping the rest of Rosh Hashanah. Let's walk. And they all walked. They all decided, you know what you're doing? We're going to do it too. And they walked to Prospect Park and they hung out the rest of Rosh Hashanah just because of this incident. Wow. Yeah, another story happened. Um, we, uh, one of my guys, he actually said the story at the dinner, at the 20-year anniversary dinner. He was standing up there and he said that he remembers... When he was, wasn't religious, he would drive down Kingston Avenue on Shabbos afternoon and seeing the men with the talisim on going to shul. And he said, I'm so glad I left that cult. I'm so glad I'm not in that cult anymore. And then after getting involved with Aliyah, we actually brought him to, he, he has a geschmack to be a, a baltfila. He, he loves going chazan. He asked me one year, Yom Kippur, if he could be chazan. So I said, listen, officially Chazan is going to be a guy with married, with a beard, religious. I need, you got to give me something to work with. Can you keep, can you keep two Shabbosim before Yom Kippur? He says, no, I can't do two Shabbosim. I said, can you do one Shabbos? Mm, I don't know. I said, give, you got to give me one Shabbos before I can get you. Be, uh, you know, give me a Seishmei uh, Shruva. In the end, he agreed to do one Shabbos and be open to... Shabbos of of a Shabbos. He would do the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, and then and then not commit, but almost commit to Shabbos, to Shabbos. So he did that. He was Chazam Rosh Hashanah. He was great. Everyone loved him. He was really good. And then he ended up keeping Shabbos Shuvah, and then he's been keeping Shabbos since then. Wow. And he's still keeping Shabbos today. And he said he said at the dinner that now he walks. On Shabbos, he's actually we, we he got married and we made him an a sheva brachas at Aliyah. It was on Shabbos sheva brachas. It was at Aliyah, and he stands up when he's kapat in his talis, and he says a story how I remember saying, "Thank God I'm not in the cult," and now I can say, "Thanks to Aliyah, thank God I'm back in the cult." <laughs>
That's amazing. Um, okay. Thank you so much for your time, Rabbi. Really, really appreciate you coming out. Thanks today. for the opportunity. And I wish you success with these podcasts. I mean, thank you. And hopefully, if one person takes one thing out of it, then it was worth all of our time. I think people are going to take a lot of this. Yeah. Thank you. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you, guys, Rabbi Figlin, for joining us on The Client Insider. Really appreciate his time. We really appreciate the willingness to go into the nitty gritty, to go into the story, to go into what it takes to make a difference, to make an impact over time consistently, not a one-off, but making an impact not just in the lives of individuals, but to the point that now you can safely say that there's an Aliyah community, a community of young men who've had their lives changed and have a place that they wouldn't have had before. So we, again, would like to thank Rabbi Figlin for coming on the show. If you heard anything in that interview that intrigued you, if you want to hear more, if you have a question, then please send us an email at podcast at crownites.info. If you have a question, we'll go back to you. And if you have a question for Rabbi Faglin, we will be very glad to put it to him and he will hopefully answer it in our wrap-up episode coming up very soon. If you have not yet subscribed to the Crownites Insider, now's your chance to do it. Pull out your phone, go online, find the podcast platform of your choice and subscribe. You won't miss another episode and you will not miss any of the incredible conversations, the incredible insights and inspiration and information that the Credit Insider is so glad to be able to provide. Of course, again, I'd like to thank our partner, Credit.info, for partnering with us on this journey. And we'd like to thank you, our loyal listeners, for getting us to this point. And we are very, very grateful for you being here. And we are very excited to see you again next week, Wednesday. Until then, have a good night.